as we continue to, to preach on that. So we're in chapter 2 tonight in verse 10. We've preached already chapter 1, chapter 2, up to verse 10. And so let's read it tonight. And as we stand to our feet one more time, and let's read chapters, chapter 2, verse 10, down to verse 20. And uh, we will bring forth what God has given us here tonight. And I hope it will be a blessing to you and a help. When Sanballat the Harnite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. I arose in the night and, uh, and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God hath put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even the, before the dragon well and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, and there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up into the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley, and so returned. The rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither did I was yet told to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Sanballat the Tehornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. But, we have, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. We come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for the account of Nehemiah that you have given us to read and to have in, our, in the word of God that we may look upon it and learn out of it. And God, now as we come to the place of the service where it's mildly important for our hearts and for our lives and for our families, we pray tonight, God, that you'd open our eyes and our hearts that we might be able to see and receive the things of God. God, we need help from the heaven today because we need revival. God, we need a moving and a stirring of God. We need a spiritual renewal, dear God, within our hearts and our lives. I pray, Father, that you'd show us tonight, God, what Nehemiah has done and what he had to go through in order to get to chapter 9 where there was a revival. And so, God, we're praying tonight, Lord, that you give us that knowledge, that understanding that we might come to that place. God, if not tonight, maybe next time. Father, I ask you to prepare our hearts. Pray, God, that you'd speak to us. God, I pray that you'd open our eyes and our ears that we might be able to hear and see. We love you tonight. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. And you might be seated. 
We already found here in Nehemiah uh, to this uh, road to revival. We found in chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, that Nehemiah was busy. We also found in those verses that Nehemiah was burdened. And we also found that Nehemiah was bothered. We already preached on that, and so we'll not go over that again. But that's what those verses were telling us, chapter 1, 1 through 5. And then we preached another message out of chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. And we learned that Nehemiah praises the Lord. We, need, we see that Nehemiah professes sin. And we find that Nehemiah prays to God. And we found in that, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, that we preached last time, we found Nehemiah's sadness. We found Nehemiah's sending. We found Nehemiah was secured. We found that Nehemiah was supplied. And Nehemiah was supported. We also found Nehemiah's Satan there in verse 10. We find tonight, and I want to preach on the road to revival, in the right place for revival. So you got to be in the right place in order to have revival. And tonight I feel like tonight that Nehemiah was in that right place. And, and so let's see where he was and how it came to. But uh, as we look tonight, I want you to notice that Nehemiah is seeking. Nehemiah is seeking. If there's ever going to be revival in our hearts and in our church and in your homes tonight, there's going to have to be somebody in the home and heart and even in the church tonight that's going to be seeking. We find in verse 10, as last time we preached, we preached it from the point of view of, of the enemy. But tonight I want you to look at it from the point of view of Nehemiah. We find tonight the Bible says, there in the last portion of that, it says, there was a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Nehemiah is seeking tonight. He was seeking the welfare of the children of Israel. There's got to be a place, there's got to be somebody tonight, there's got to be one tonight that is seeking the welfare of the children of Israel. That it'd be somebody in this room tonight that recognizes that your heart needs the revival and somebody's going to have to seek it, amen? Somebody's going to have to seek tonight that the church needs revival and you're going to have to seek after it. You're going to have to find that your home tonight, your marriage tonight needs revival and you're going to have to seek for the welfare of that home or of that church or of that heart tonight. And what was he seeking? Well, that word seeking there means striving. And Nehemiah was striving for the health of the children of Israel. Somebody in your church is going to be striving for the health of our church if revival is going to break out. Somebody's going to have to be striving in your home tonight for the welfare, for the health of your home tonight in order for revival to take place. In order for revival to take place in Jerusalem tonight, uh, Nehemiah was striving for the health of it. His, his whole desire, his whole longing and craving for the children of Israel was the welfare of it, the health of them. Number two, they were searching out the happiness of God's people and God's place tonight. And friend, we're going to do that tonight if we're ever going to find revival in the places where we live and the places we dwell. Is we're going to have to find that you and I or somebody is going to have to search it out. 
We're going to have to do more than just know it. We have to do more than just speak it. We got to do more than just to make an imagination of it or a thought of it. We're actually going to have to begin to search it out and search out the happiness. Don't you want your home to be happy? Don't you want your heart to be happy? Don't you want tonight the church to be happy? It's going to take somebody seeking it out for revival tonight. We know thirdly tonight about Nehemiah's seeking that he had to find a security for the hope of God's people and for God's place. Amen. And so he's uh, securing that. That word there, seek, means secure. And so he's securing it. He's looking for Jerusalem. He's getting in Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem. And uh, he is the one that's seeking the welfare children of God. Nobody else in Jerusalem is seeking for the welfare of the children of God. Nobody. Nobody tonight could possibly be seeking for the welfare of your home tonight that your home have hope and your home have happiness and your home tonight will find health. There may be nobody in your home doing that. Everybody may be saying this, it's just the way that it is. It's just how it has to be. I wonder if there's anybody in your church tonight seeking for the welfare of the church tonight, looking for its hope, its happiness tonight, and its health. I wonder tonight, in a place in which we call America tonight, in which we need great revival in tonight, is there anybody in America seeking for the welfare of America? You know, it seems like tonight we're just kind of worried about us and us for and us only. Oh, but friend, of revival is going to break out in the day of Nehemiah, Nehemiah began to seek after. I want you to notice number two. I want you to notice Nehemiah's strength tonight. Not only his seeking, but his strength. We notice that in verse 11 and verse 12. The Bible says, For so I saw I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night and some few men with me. Neither told I any man. Now here's his strength right here. What? my God has put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. You see, tonight, revival will only be accomplished in what God would put in your heart. That God will put in your heart that your home would be revived. God will put in your heart that your heart will be revived. Your God will put in your heart that your church will be revived. That God will put in a heart that America will be, will be revived. We find tonight that Paul, but the Nehemiah is saying the strength of where I'm at and I'm in Jerusalem now. But the strength of me being here is what my God put in my heart. Amen. And so tonight we've got to come to the place that revival Bible is not some kind of personal need that I need, but it's what God wants in my life. A revival is not something that's going to help us out and kind of get us along the way, but no, it's what God has put in my heart tonight. It's not something tonight that you and I have together put together and said, you know what, for the welfare and for the hope and the happiness and for the health of our church and for my home and for my own Christian life, I need revival. No, it's got to come from God, and God's got to put that in your heart tonight. That's going to be the strength of you getting to revival. It's what God has done in your heart. And so we find in the heart of Nehemiah, the strength of it is this tonight. <clears throat> I want you to notice his personal relationship with God. He said, my God. He didn't say a God. He didn't say the God. He didn't say uh, some God. He said, my God. 
In order for us to have a revival tonight, it's going to have to have a personal relationship with God. Amen? There ain't nobody in this room ever going to experience revival without a personal relationship with God. Friend, there ain't no lost man. There ain't no pagan man. There's no heathen man. There's no worldly man. There's no secular man. Nobody outside of the grace of God, outside the family of God, outside of being saved and born again tonight will ever experience revival. It's only the those who have a relationship with God tonight. Amen. That is the strength of having revival is a relationship with God, a personal one. We notice number two, not only did he have a personal relationship with God, but he had a private relationship with God. The Bible says, put in my heart. That's a private relationship. That means me and God's got a heart to heart. That means that me and God, soul to soul, that means me and God, we've got a relationship that's not only personal, but it's private. It's so private that it's God that put in my heart. It's God that done something in my heart. It's God that made a difference in my heart. <clears throat> it's God that did within my heart. It's God that took my heart and he put it within my heart. I didn't put it in there. He put it in there. It's him tonight that made choice and made decision that I might find myself in the right place of revival. It's because God has done something within my heart tonight. That is a private relationship relationship with God. Only God can do things when you have a private relationship. Amen. We find a personal relationship. We find a public relationship. We see the Bible says in the public relationship that God has put within my heart to do at Jerusalem. So God has put in the heart of Nehemiah in a personal way, my God, in a private way, in my put in my heart, but in a public way to do, to do. See, revival tonight is not to know. Revival is not to think. Revival is not to hope, but revival is to do. And he is told within the heart of God to at Jerusalem you're going to do something. See, this public relationship with God is to be seen it's to be known. It's also to be involved. Amen. If you're waiting tonight, you say, well, I need revival, but you're waiting for somebody else to do it. Our church needs revival, and you're saying, well, somebody step up. If our country needs revival, and you're saying, boy, I hope somebody gets it together so we can have revival, Fred, then you're not the one. You're not the one. There's no relationship going on, friend, with you. You might be saved and born again. That's fine. That's dandy. That's good. I hope everybody in this room is saved and born again. But as far as revival is concerned tonight, you don't have the strength. But Nehemiah found that he found the strength because he had a personal, private, and a public relationship with God. Can I say number three? I know I'm moving pretty fast, but I got a lot of points. Number three tonight, I want you to know it's Nehemiah's survey. This is an important part. Nehemiah's survey. I want you to notice in verse 13, the Bible says, and viewed. About in the middle of that verse, viewed the walls. In verse 15, the Bible says, viewed the wall. That word viewed is used two times in three verses. We find that that word viewed there is important. It means to inspect. It means to examine. 
Uh, it means that what Nehemiah did when he got to ne when he got down to uh, to Jerusalem. Now I want you to remember though now that all that Nehemiah knew of is what he heard of, right? When somebody says to you, "Man, do you do you do you know the church is in bad shape?" and you say, "Well, it probably is." Do you know, man, that members of your church, you know, they're just spiritually bankrupt? Man, probably so. Do you know as a whole in America that the churches seem to be, be going down and it seems like they're not believing as much. It seems like the preachers are preaching less. It seems like souls are being saved less often. Missionaries are coming off the field and not many are going out in the field. You don't find many preachers at all uh, getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost of God and being gifted by the Lord uh, going out preaching with power and authority anymore. Uh, you say, well, you know, I heard those things. And so Nehemiah has now moved from where he was to where he is on the fact of ear. But now when he gets there, he wants to see it, to view it. He wants to examine it. You see, revival can only take place when you and I are not just satisfied with hearing we need revival, but seeing we need revival. That's a big difference. That's a big difference, friend, when somebody's telling you that there needs to be revival and then when you see there needs to be revival. We're getting closer to revival, not when somebody tells us we need one, but when we ourselves see it and we say, yeah, I see it. So the survey of Nehemiah is very important. What he viewed, he viewed the walls. As the Bible says there in verse 13, he viewed the walls of Jerusalem. In verse 15, it says he viewed the wall. Now, we are a priest on the wall. We talked about the wall is those, is those walls, is those barriers that keep things out. It also is barriers that keep things in. Right? And we all came, we didn't, maybe we didn't all come to the conclusion, but I came to the conclusion uh, that these walls in the church tonight, while we need to build up the walls, were the convictions. They were the standards of the church. Uh, they were uh, the very, uh, uh, maybe something that there was, that you held as something important to you. And we found uh, tonight as we were saved, yes, and as we were born again, yes, but we have found that the convictions have now fallen. We found that the standards have been lowered. We found uh, that the attitude or carelessness. It don't really matter what we wear to church. It does matter what we wear to church. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter where we, whether we give our tithes. It does matter whether you give your tithes. That's right. It really don't matter if I go to church. It does matter if you go to church. Amen. It really don't matter, Fred, if I read my Bible, if I skip one day, or if I, if I just kind of uh, take it easy and relax. It does matter. And friend, we find ourselves lowering our standards and making our convictions coming down and we find our attitude, the attitude of carelessness. Right. We need revival. How do we know our walls are down? Uh 
And when our walls are down, friend, we find things able to get into our heart. For example, like somebody might say something, and now you respond in a way that you're not not to respond. And if your walls were up, you wouldn't have responded that way. But now your walls are down, and you respond with anger and bitterness and hurtfulness, and you got to go back and say, I'm sorry. But when your walls are up, you don't have to say, I'm sorry. Your walls are up. Fred, you don't find that within your heart comes a jealousy and comes a, it comes an anger and comes a place within your heart where you don't have the ability or you don't have the stronghold or you don't have the discipline or you don't have, friend, with your mind and your heart the tolerance as you used to have. Right. What happened? The Bible didn't change. Holy Ghost of God didn't change. I mean, the, 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 the very life of God didn't change. What changed? You changed. And you lowered your standards now. You used to be high. You done let down tonight your careless attitude. Who cares? We find tonight, as he was looking upon the walls, he heard about those things, but now he sees them. And tonight, you might hear about it, but tonight, if you can see them, you're closer to revival than you were before. It's always easy to look at somebody else and say they need revival. But when you start seeing you need revival, that's when it's close to home. Amen. Amen. So now Nehemiah sees the walls that are broken down. We find he views not only the walls, but he views the gates tonight. If you remember, we talked about the gates, and the gates were the eye gate. And remember the ear gate. He remember the mouth gate. And as he looks at the gates, according to the verses, we find that the gates thereof were consumed with fire. We find uh, that the gates are lie in waste. We find tonight and many a times of how do we know that we need a revival. We need a revival because our eye gates are damaged. We're looking upon things we shouldn't be looking on. You say, well, there's a beautiful woman that walks by. Can I not admire the beauty of God's creation? Yeah, but you don't have to lust after it. Right? right? right. I mean, you may look at it and see it, and immediately you might say, beautiful, that's a beautiful woman, and kind of keep moving. But not look at the beautiful woman and say, that's a beautiful woman. That's still, man, that's a beautiful woman. (laughs) Somebody asks you, what are you looking at? Looking at a beautiful woman. Uh Oh, thought you was a Christian. Oh, I'm saying tonight, our eyes, our eye gates are burned down. It's damaged. We're looking upon people and as if we're better than them. Looking upon people as if they're less than us. We're looking at our spouses. We're looking at our children with pain, hurt, and aggravation and retaliation. I'm just saying tonight, our eye gate is damaged. Our ear gate is damaged. We're listening to the gossip. We're listening to the complaining and murmuring. We're listening to things on the radio and things on the TV. We're listening to other people. We're listening to other counseling outside of God. We're listening to things tonight that does not encourage us nor strengthen us. It's something that is contrary to us and it breaks us down. We're damaged. Our mouth gate. We just get too free with our tongue. I know it's a hellish thing. I know your tongue tonight is a member that can't be tamed. I understand that tonight. 
But also understand tonight as well that our mouth gate has to come under control. You just can't say what you want to say when you want to say it. You don't have that right. You cannot just blast out. You cannot just cuss out. You cannot just be critical. You cannot just constantly put down. You cannot condescend. Uh, you cannot just lay out somebody with your tongue tonight. You cannot do that. Mm-hmm. At the other side, tonight you can't drink out of bitter water and drink out of fresh water too. Tonight you're either one or the other. You, your tongue tonight has to go one direction or the other direction. The Bible says there's life and death in the tongue. You want to run a relationship with your spouse? Let's keep your tongue moving. You want to move a relationship in your home with your children? Just keep your mouth running. Many times tonight, somebody just needs to tell you, shut up. Amen. You say, that's rude, Brother Larry. What you're saying is rude. It's like vomit. It's like poison. You got a mouth gate that's damaged. You got an ear gate that's damaged. You got an eye gate that's damaged. We need revival, but until you see it, we won't get it. Amen. Now we can tell you about it, and you get all offended. We can tell you how mouthy you are. We can tell you how how eye you are, how eerie you are. We can tell you tonight how your convictions have dropped and how your standards are lower and how your attitude is horrible and sorry and pathetic. And you might argue, you might be defensive toward it, you might turn, you might walk away, you might get mad, you might leave. But until you see it as, as Nehemiah saw it, will you ever have revival? Right. I'm talking about Nehemiah's survey. We need a survey tonight, don't we? Yes. Examine me tonight, Lord. Look within me tonight. Look down in my standards and and my convictions and my attitude. Lord, look at my eye. Look at my ear. Look at my mouth. Would you check my gates out, Lord? Please. Tonight we pray that we might do a survey just like Nehemiah. Then he viewed the truth or the facts. As he looked tonight at the walls of Jerusalem and they were broken down in verse 13. And as he looked at the gates, they were consumed with fire. You know what he saw? He saw the truth. Amen. He saw the facts. He saw saw three things tonight. He saw what it should not be. That's what he saw. And tonight when you see your gates and when you see your walls and when you see tonight the facts of those and the truth of that and you should say within your heart, Lord, it shouldn't be like this. That's what you should see. That's number one. It should not be like this. Number two, as Nehemiah was looking at the walls and looking at the gates, he can look at it and say, boy, it shouldn't be like this. But then secondly, he could have said this too. He could have said, I know what it should be. I know what it should be. See, he saw that. He saw that what it's not, but he saw that what it should be. Tonight, every one of us needs to get into the place of a survey and let God examine our hearts and come to the place with my relationships at home and work and church tonight and my gates tonight and all that God has spoken to my heart so far and look and say, Lord, uh, this is not what it should be, but I tell you, Lord, I know what it should be. I know what it's not supposed to be, and that's what it is. But I know what it should be too. 
And tonight, we would take personal responsibility. We would come to the place where we would be able to see of what it used to be. I used to be sweeter. I used to be kinder. I used to be able to listen. I used to be able to speak in a normal tone voice. I used to be able to look and hear. I used to have standards. I used to have convictions. I know what they used to be. I know what they are now. I see that now. It's not my spouse. It's not my children. It's not my church member. It's not my co-worker. It's me, Lord. It's me. I'm damaged. And I need revival. Survey. Would you do a survey tonight? Would you look tonight at your walls and look tonight at your gates and just come up with facts? Can I say here fourthly tonight, after Nehemiah's survey, I noticed Nehemiah's search. Look at verse 17. The Bible, verse 17 says, Then said I unto them. Now, if you have noticed up to this point here, Nehemiah has said nothing. Nothing. Verse 10 all the way down. And the first time he says something is in verse 17. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Now we're talking about Nehemiah's search tonight. You know what he's searching for? He's searching to find others to see the condition of what it really is. And that's what the search that we need to take place in our lives. Why don't you look over to your spouse or look over to your church member or look over to a friend and say, man, would you please just be honest with me? Would you just, I'm searching right now that somebody would see what I see and we're in distress. Don't you see it? I'm telling you, friend, I'm telling you, spouse, I'm telling you, child, I'm telling you, friend, there's distress going on. I see it. Do you see it? And friend, you will be able to open up to those who care about us and we care about them to actually open up and say to us, hey, listen, I haven't said anything yet. The one thing I want to say is this, is don't you see the stress? Don't you see the distress? Don't you see our homes in rubble? Don't you see? Don't you see our churches tonight are in shambles? Don't you see tonight that our children and our spouses tonight and those that we love and those we care for tonight, it's just not working. God, so he's searching tonight and he finally comes to the people and he says to him, he said, don't you see it? Don't you see the distress that we're in? Don't you see tonight? And he's trying to find them that they may see the condition. uh, They may see the crisis. It's amazing to me tonight in a marriage how one partner of the marriage is in crisis and the other one has no idea. How does that work out? How does it be like that? 
how Fred, it just seems like one and the spouse area is just at their wits. They can't take it no more. Uh, they just keep on having these battles and these fights and, and things are going on in the home that's not agreeable, that's not acceptable. And then you are kind of at your wits saying, I need revival. And the other one's going, da 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 Don't you see it? Am I right? You're right. La La Land. Uh-huh. I'm telling you tonight, it's the same way in the church. There's some people that start getting a burden, start seeing things going on, start seeing things happening, and they're trying to search out somebody. Do you see what I see? What? What do you, what do you see? How I many things are changing around here? Don't you see that? I don't know. I didn't see nothing. And that's what. Nehemiah's looking for. He said, I'm searching out to find somebody. Do you see the crisis we're in? Do you see the distress in Jerusalem? Do you see the condition? Do you see the chaos? I mean, it was so chaotic that he was riding on his horse, right? The Bible says he was riding on his beast. I guess a horse, maybe it's a donkey. Anyway, he was going on a beast as he ride. Now, he said he couldn't even go any further. You know why he couldn't go any further with the beast? It's in chaos. I mean, things are everywhere. Rocks are everywhere. Things are just destroyed. It's just a big mess. And that's the way our churches are sometimes in our homes and our marriages. Our parenting, our finances, our minds, our hearts. Nobody's seeing it. Oh, but tonight may we see it. And may we begin to search somebody out and say, do you see it? Tell me what kind of husband I am. Tell me what kind of wife I am. Tell me what kind of parent I am. Tell me what kind of preacher I am. What kind of member I am. Tell me what kind of worker I am. What kind of boss I am. Listen, friend, I see a chaos condition of crisis going on. I need some help. I'm searching for somebody. I'm talking about revival tonight. We can't hit revival thinking we're okay when we're not. You can't hit revival tonight when everything seems to be okay. Uh, uh, you know, uh, what's that? Hunky door, hunky door, hunky, huh? Hunky dory. See, you notice I don't even say that much. Hunky dory. That doesn't even sound like something I'd say, does it? But many folks think that tonight. And so we find the search. He, he, say, he says about, me, about Jerusalem, he says, the people are in unhappiness. That word distress is unhappiness. Do you know tonight how many marriages tonight are unhappy? How many children in your home are unhappy? How many tonight of, of the very ones of the church house that are unhappy? You say, well, brother, we don't get saved to be happy. We get saved to get holy. That's true. That's fine. But friend, when there's chaos and crisis and conditions and we need revival tonight, somebody's got to search out to somebody else and says, listen, do you see the people? They're unhappy. They say this tonight. I know it's true. Unhappy wife is an unhappy life. (laughs) Right? Guys, is that true? Unhappy wife? It's an unhappy life. Is that true, wives? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's true. Because sure if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. That's right. I'm just saying tonight, and we got to see it, and we got to know it, and somebody else has got to tell us about it. 
We find that as he looks upon the distress, that means unhappiness tonight. He sees the unhappiness of God's people. That word distress also means tonight waste. As he looks at the walls, he looks at the gates, he says that he sees an unusefulness. And really tonight, he sees waste according to the scripture. He sees burned according to the scripture. And friend, I'm telling you tonight, how many of our homes tonight are lying in waste? That we can do more for God. We can be more for the cause of Christ. We can do more the salvation of souls. That we can provide more for anyone and everyone. If we just get our acts together. If our church tonight would just come together. And what we're doing we're lying in waste. Because we find unusefulness. How many talents in here are not being useful tonight? How many skills how many people in here tonight could do more than what you're doing? How many of us tonight could come a little quicker than we are, could come a little sooner than we did? How many of us tonight could add a little bit more energy to our lives that we can add a little bit more a zip and zap unto our Christian walk? How many of us tonight could say, I can do more, Brother Larry? How many? And I would say tonight, in the way of this search, He's just trying to tell them, hey, fellas, look. Look at the unhappiness. Look at the unusefulness. Look. The potential's there. The opportunity's there. But what do they need tonight? They need revival in Jerusalem. You know what we need tonight? We need revival in Stafford, Texas. The search. Can I show you fifthly tonight? Nehemiah's spark. Look at this. I like this point. In verse 17, he says this after they see his search. And they said, he says, Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we may be, we be no more a reproach. Nehemiah spark. I want you to notice his confidence is displayed. He said, let us build up. I mean, he didn't have no concerns about it, did he? Let us go build up. He didn't have no doubts about it. He didn't have any reservations at all. He had no fears. He said, listen, fellas, I'm telling you, do you see the distress? Let us go build. Let us arise and go build. I mean, there was a confidence in Nehemiah. It ought to be a confidence in you, Father, a confidence in you, Mother. There ought to be a confidence in you, church member, that says to other church members, let's go and build. Let's stop tearing things down. Let's stop being ready each one and each, each, each other. Let's stop fighting within the home. Let's stop having contention within the church. Let's stop messing around with the small stupid things that are creating chaos and crisis in our homes. And let's build up and move on. Amen. How about that? Amen. <laughs> Boy, the confidence that he showed, he displayed right there. Number two. I know it's not only the confidence that Nehemiah displayed with that statement, but I, I noticed tonight of the very uh, cause on which he declared. He said uh, that we be no more a reproach. No more a reproach. That word reproach means a disgrace, a dishonor, and a displeasing. 
Tonight I pray tonight that it ought to be the cause of us wanting a revival so that we'll no longer be a reproach to the eyes of people. To the eyes of people tonight. It ought to be tonight when somebody would come to our home, like tonight, every one of us could go to your home. Mm-hmm. And we could walk in your home, and as we walk in your home, we should be able to see a home that's in order. Amen. A home that's fit to live in. Right. A home ready for hospitality. Uh-huh. Right? That's right? But I'll tell you something tonight. I wonder how many homes tonight's really actually like that. If I would say to the church, hey, we're going to go to your home tonight, you'd have a heart attack. The houses are wrecked. The clothes are are everywhere. Uh Every clothes basket is full. There's clothes in the dryer. There's clothes in the washer. There's clothes in the basket to be folded. There's things all over. There's dishes in every place. There's dishes in the sink. There's some in the dishwasher. There's some out of the dishwasher. The shoes are laying around. Things that we ate last night are still about there. The books that we read are still out. We go into the bedroom. You've got your pile. You've got my pile. we got our pile. Nobody likes to wash. Nobody likes to clean the floors. Nobody likes to dust. Nobody likes to fix the repairs. Nobody likes to take things that are broken and make them right no more. Everybody's just everybody. That's right. A reproach. If we could look at your relationship on a daily basis between you and your wife tonight, would it be a reproach? Disgraceful of the lack of communication, the the things that are being said, the arguments on text, the arguments on the phone, uh, the times of sleeping in another bed, sleeping on a couch, not talking for a week, uh, taking and saying, I'm not going to give you no more money. I mean, just junk like this. Our church tonight, coming to the house of God, not ready and prepared to worship, Uh leaving out of here as cold as a cucumber, walking out of here as hard as a hammer. I mean, I'm just saying tonight, reproach. We go to work tomorrow, and we steal from the company. We gossip about our, 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 our co-workers, and we come in late, and we leave early, and we stay late for lunch, and we, we complain as things are just not the way they ought to be. They ought to be paying me more. we got to work too long. We should get off earlier. You know what? The boss is not right either. I'm telling you tonight, I'm just saying we are a reproach. We need revival we got to find a place tonight where we can say, Oh, God, God, help us tonight to come to a place in our lives where we can see the cause that is declared so that we won't be a reproach no more. Aren't you tired of that? Aren't you tired? I'm telling you tonight, when are we going to find ourselves sick and tired? I don't like to argue. I don't like to fight. I don't like to search for my clothes. I don't like to, to find something to eat. I don't like to go through all these things tonight. You know your role. I know my role. You know your responsibility. I know my responsibility. Why do we lack? And why do we think it's okay 
And why do we, friend, just say it's going to be all right? And really, it's just a disgrace, a dishonor, and displeasing to not only you, but to God as well. Boy, as he looked, he saw there was a cause declared that would be no more reproach. And I tell you tonight, revival could come when we get sick and tired of the reproach. Something's got to change. Divorce is not the answer. Division, separation is not the answer. Because the fact of the matter is you get a divorce, you remarry, the same problem is coming. You know why? Because you're the common denominator of the whole thing. You're the problem. You say, brother, you can't say that. Too late. I already said it. I see it over and over and over. Everybody else is a problem. But really tonight when you find another relationship, you still have the same problem you had with the first relationship. And its reason is it's because of you. You say, every friend I come up with, every friend I get, we end the same way. Well, then change your way. (laughs) Every job I get, I got to quit. You know what? I guess it's every job's fault. No, it's your fault. I'm just saying tonight. As we look at this, we find the cause of the declared, the confidence displayed. And I notice tonight, uh, for Jerusalem's sake, uh, not be a reproach anymore. But for God's sake, look in verse 18. The Bible says, And I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, and we find tonight, for God's sake, it is his work. See, the work of revival in our hearts, in our home, in the house of God, and in our country tonight is the work of God. We find that in verse 12. Look at it. He says, For my God hath put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. That's God's work. So revival is God's work. Would you let God work in your home? Would you let God work in your marriage? Would you let God work in your church? Would you let God work? He wants to work. We find not only is it God's work, but I notice it's His will. He told him in verse verse 17 or verse 18, He said, The hand of my God which was upon me. That was in His will. And he's telling them that when I was minding my own business and here comes Hananiah and he told me about the condition of the the people of Jerusalem in the place of Jerusalem. And next thing I know, it was what God's hand has done. And I just went to the king and I said to the king, why shouldn't my countenance be sorrowful? Amen. I find that my Jerusalem is in waste and I find that the walls are broken down and the gates are burned up. Why shouldn't I have a sorrow countenance. He said, what do you want me to do for you, Nehemiah? He said, can you go? And the hand of the Lord was upon him, and he sent him out. So he's telling them, telling the story of what just happened. And so it was the will of God for the revival to take place. It's the work of God for the revival to take place. But then it's the way of God, for he says, the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And then he tells them, he says, listen, that's just the way of God. God took an old heathen heart, an old heathen king who cares less about Jerusalem, cares less about a wall, cares less about a gate. You think he really worried about the welfare of Jerusalem? The old king? He's just worried about his wine. 
That's why he's the king bear. Just drinking of his wine before he gets to the wine because he don't want to get poisoned. He ain't worried about nothing else but just living and him being in charge. But Nehemiah said to him, listen, let me tell you about the words of the king. He said, I'm going to send you. I'm going to secure you. I'm going to supply you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to send you the way. And boy, he's telling them boys these things. Boy, the hand of God was on me. I'm telling you, then the word of the king came forth. For God's sake tonight, revival. It's God's will. It's God's way. It's God's work. We find tonight as Nehemiah in his quest for revival tonight, we find that his conclusion was decreed. Look in verse 18. I like this. The Bible says, let us build up a wall in Jerusalem, verse 17, that we may be no more reproach. And then look there in verse 18. And they said, see, Nehemiah said in verse 17, let's do that. He told them what the hand of God did. He told them what the word of the king said, which was all in God. And then they said, they said this, they said, let us rise up and build so they strengthen their hands for this good work. The conclusion is decreed now that they will be in unity. Let us rise and build of the same mind, of the same heart, and of the same will. Now tonight, wouldn't it be something tonight? Revival take place in your home and your marriage and your family and your children. And finally, for the first time, everybody's on the same page. Amen. Hallelujah for that, man. That's shouting grounds. I mean, can you imagine tonight that coming to the house of God and we're all in the same mind, same heart, one accord, one mind, one Lord, one God, and we got one focus and one mission. And friend, that's what we're doing. That's what we're going to do. And serve and seek the Lord. Amen. Amen. And Nehemiah said, let's do that. And they said, boy, after hearing about what God did and what the king did, let us rise and build up. We're going to come together. And they came together. Uh-huh. Listen, families, come together. Listen, church family, come together. We'll never get nothing accomplished divided. We'll never get anything going tonight if we all have our own agendas and have our own mindsets and have our own thoughts on the matters, but we can come together and find revival. They found unity. They find, number two, they found conformity. The Bible says they strengthened their hands for this good work. In other words, all that means tonight is they were determined. And they were determined. Nehemiah was determined. All those who are in the good work of God was determined. And friend, that ought to be the way your home is tonight. And you that as the man is Nehemiah and you as the woman tonight would be the other ones. And you'd say to Nehemiah, your husband, you'd say the one who's the leader of your home tonight. And you'd say to them, they said, let's build. Let's get up and build. And then you would say as a wife to the husband, let us rise up and build. Amen. And get unified and get it conformity and strengthen ourselves together for this good work of God. Amen. The preacher is saying to you tonight, listen, won't you get up and let's build and after you hear of God and after you hear of the word of the king, you see what God has done, then you say to the preacher, preacher, let's rise up and build and conformity and strengthen our hands together. 
for the good work of God. I'm just saying tonight, it's possible. It's probable. God can do it. He can tonight. You might think tonight, as somebody said, it's a miracle. God can do. He performs miracles. You say, well, how about your home, Brother Larry? I know. I know. But I know this. God is able. I will stay. I will be in. I am determined. I am resolved. I am tonight that I am going to rise up and build and looking forward to one day, someday, here soon that my wife would be right with me. If I quit, will that ever be possible? If I just go off and get on my horse and ride off into the sun, would that ever happen? Tonight, we just got to have unity, conformity, Strengthen our hands for the good work of God. Are you in? Are you in at your home? Are you in tonight as a parent, as a spouse? Are you in? Are you resolved? Are you empowered? Are you determined? They saw it. They knew it. They felt it. God wants revival. They wanted revival. Do you want revival? Oh, tonight. We find in the scripture here, we find tonight that Nehemiah, sixthly tonight, Nehemiah's stand. Look at verse 19 and verse 20. The Bible says in verse 19, But when Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it. I want you to notice tonight, Nehemiah's stand, and the first thing I want you to notice about this stand is the enemy's attack. Tonight, we might already have already made some determinations in our hearts. I, I, I seen some of the husbands look at the wives there, and I was preaching, and I'm hoping that that was saying, I'm in. Amen. It's going to be different in my home. Amen. It's going to be different in our marriage. It's going to be different in my church. I, 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 I need revival, and I'm working for it. I'm going head on it. I'm going to do it. I hope that's the case tonight. But you have to remember, there's an enemy's attack. The flesh don't want you to go there. The devil don't want you to go there. And the world would rather you be a statistic than be something today of a blessing. And tonight we find an attack. I want you to notice in this attack tonight in verse 19 is that the enemies grow. You know, in verse 10, there was only two. Sand ballot and Tobiah. Verse 19, there's three. <laughs> I'm just saying tonight, the longer you go, the more there are. They're not getting less, and they're not going away. Now you got Arabian in it, in the mix. Where'd you come from, brother? I mean, we only had nine verses, and you just showed up. And you didn't show up for the good guys, you showed up for the bad guys. And now we find that the, the enemies are growing. 
And you got to know and you got to understand tonight if you're, you've made a decision tonight that I want revival, God wants revival, I'm changing my ways, I'm changing my heart, I'm seeking, I'm surveying, I'm examining, I'm looking at my walls, I'm looking at my gates, I am ready for a change in my home, in my heart, in my house of God that I worship tonight. Just put it by, just, just don't let this go by you tonight. There's going to be some attacks on you. That's right. The attacks are going to come from within. Attacks are going to come from without. There's going to be attacks, Fred, that you don't even know where they're coming from. The darts of the enemy, the wiles of the enemy. Just get ready for the attack. And there's going to be more of them than you think tonight. We find not only is the enemy growing, but I noticed that the enemy was grieving. In verse 10, the Bible says of that those two devils, they were grieving. But then in verse 19, the Bible says they went from grieving, and as they were grieving, then they began to laugh. The Bible says they laughed us to scorn. In other words, tonight they were laughing. Because they were grieved, they were laughing at them. And I can just imagine tonight, you go home, and you sit your family down, and you say, listen, family, uh, me and mom's made a decision tonight, and we're just going to be more of the Christian family, the Christian marriage than we've ever been. I've got my responsibilities in roles. She has hers, and she's committed to them. I'm committed to mine, and we're going to make this home a happy home, a healthy home, a hopeful home, and your children start laughing at you. Uh-huh. Ha! We heard that before. Yeah, sure, that's going to work out. <laughs> hey, bro, hey, sis, did you hear what mom and daddy said? They said we're actually going to have a Christian home. They said we had one before. What's going to happen now? <laughs> you go to work and tell your work, hey, listen, man, church last night, God got a hold of my heart. Man, I, I haven't been all that I should be, but I made a commitment that I, I'm going to do better to be the wife, be the husband, and I'm going to be a parent as I ought to be. And your friends laugh at you. (laughs) You are so messed up in the mind. That preacher down there has got you brainwashed. You don't have to do that. You're the man of the home. You just tell her that's going to be. I'm just saying tonight, you tell your family members, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, Man, I tell you what, man, my home's been in chaos and crisis, but man, God helped me last night, me and my wife, and we made a, we got together, we got unified, we got conformity, and man, we're going to work on this thing. We're going to make our home exactly what it ought to be, and it's going to change our church at the same time, and boy, it's going to change my heart, and I'm going to live for God, I'm going to be happy, and I'm going to serve the Lord with my wife and my children, and we're just going to go about doing what God says, and your family, your brother, your sister, your mother, your aunt, your uncle looks at you and says, that won't last. You're kidding me. I know you. I know you. I've known you for a long time. Matter of fact, I've known you for all your life. And just laughed at you. You know what the enemy does to us? They laugh at us. Number two, you know what else they do to us? Tonight, the enemy not only laughs at us, but the enemy hates us. The Bible says there in that verse 19, uh, despised us. You know the third thing that they do about us? They question us. Look at verse 19. What is this thing that you do? You know the fourth thing they do? Is they accuse us. They said, man, you're going to be a rebel against the king. Four things. Laugh at us, hate us, question us, and accuse us. Get ready. 
Get ready for the attack. Get ready. If you're going to make a decision towards God. So the enemy is grieving. But then thirdly, the enemy is giving. But he's given the same response as he always has given. He's mocking. They mock Jesus. They ridicule Jesus. They ridicule you too. Stay on track. Number two, they will belittle you. That word despise means that it means that you're useless. It means you're worthless. It means you're hopeless. They will belittle you. You just keep on track. Thirdly, they will discount you. What is this thing that you do? It's dumb. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. You won't make it. You won't finish it. And you won't last. That's what the enemy will say to you. They will discount you. Fourthly, they will lie. Just like he lied. You're going to rebel against the king? They'll make you evil. They'll make you the wrong, ba- the wrong person and they'll make you the bad one. Is that the, how the enemy works? You're doing well, you're doing good, and you get an argument with them. Next thing you know, you leave the argument as the one who's done the wrong. <laughs> how did it get turned around on me? That's just how it works. Then here, secondly, the enemy's addressed. And so Paul, or Nehemiah, addresses them in verse 20. I'm going to do this quickly so we can go. But he introduces to them the creator of them. He says, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven. So he introduces to them the creator of heaven. This is, your, this is our protector. This is our provider. This is our power, he's saying. Number two, not only was he introduced to the creator, but it was interrupted by the creator. And and Nehemiah said this, He will prosper us. He will empower us. That's what he's telling the enemy. Number two, this God will propel us. In other words, He will engage us. Therefore, His servants will arise and build. Because God will empower us, God will engage us. And then thirdly, he intervened, he intervened with the Creator. He says in verse 20, But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, what he says to them is this, God will purpose for us here. God will provide for us here. He will engage us. He will embrace us. He will empower us. But for you, the devil, the enemy, you don't belong here now. That's what the word memorial means. Something of the past, right? Memory. He said, you don't belong here. You don't belong here in the past. You don't belong here now. For he says, you know right. And he says, you don't belong here in the future. That portion means that. Like an heir of something in the future. So he tells the enemy, he says, you don't belong here in the past, you don't belong here now, you don't belong here later, get out of here. And that's what you need to tell the enemies. You don't belong here. I come for revival. You have no portion, no right, no memorial here. Amen. I mean, he addressed it well. This is where God's people worship. This is where God's people obey and God's people serve. So I I guess I would tell you Tobiah, Sanballat, and the Arabian. I would say to you, so move on. Get out of here. Leave now. We don't want the devil. We We hate the devil. We reject the devil. And so because of that, you have no right. You have no, uh, no portion. You have no memorial here. And get on down the road because we're headed for revival. Let's stand to our feet tonight. And I pray that that would be your address to the enemy tonight.
as we're trying to put this together that we might experience a revival in our hearts, in our homes, in the house of God. God heal. You sing, Brother George, and tonight if you need to come, come with each other, come with the family, come single, some separate, just come. And let's just do business with God tonight concerning in the right place for revival. Tonight, are you in the right place for revival? Are you? Are you there tonight? You say, Brother Larry, I'm right here. I'm in a good place for revival. I need it. I want it. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of my heart just not having that rest and that peace and just those battles. I'm tired. I'm tired of my home tonight having these issues, this crisis, these conditions. I'm tired. I'm tired in the house of God of all the things that takes place there. I want revival. Are you committed tonight? Are you dedicated toward it? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready tonight? Are you ready? Some have come. Would you come? Let's lay out before the Lord. Say, oh God, I ask you to save my soul tonight. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and come into my heart. Create in me a new creature in Christ Jesus that's created in holiness and godliness. How about you tonight? I'm saved. I know the Lord. And yet I see my walls are down and my gates are burned. I see the facts of what it used to be. I'm not what I used to be. I see what it should be. I see what it could be. Lord, I want to get there. Help me to be there. Anybody else tonight? The altars are open. Time is fleeing. Your home in rubble and shambles. Your heart burnt down, falling down. The house of God just struggling. Trying to fill a pew up. Trying to reach the souls of men. Living for Christ. Oh, the days are difficult. The times are perilous. Only the strong will last. Only those that are determined and resolved and dedicated will make it to the end. I'm telling you tonight, only by the grace of God can we make it. Help us, Lord. Help us tonight. God, that you give us that strength. You'll help us have that survey. you make us find that search. We'll make that stand. We'll be what you want us to be, Lord. Let's sing that song, brother, that, that 83. It's, I, I like that. Or 85, either one of those is good, brother. Let's sing tonight as we close our service. We'll just sing about Jesus because he's worthy to be sung about. You sing tonight with us. It's going to be in the red book. It's probably going to be in your blue book.
There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves. Send the light, send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light. We will spread, we will spread the everlasting light. Oh. 